movie. And this is We Shouldn't Talk About This. Key, for today's episode, what do you think we should touch on? I think we should talk about political embezzlements. People who have perpetrated political embezzlements. That's pretty interesting. I myself am not too familiar with politics, but I did find a very, very, very unique case that we could talk about. Okay, as did I. I actually heard this story first on American Greed, which is one of my favorite shows. So I wanted to look into it a bit and maybe tell the listeners who don't frequent American Greed as much as I do a little story. <laughs> All right, you may begin. Okay, we'll gather around, children. Time for a tale of crime. So, the subject of my story is Rita A. Crundwell. Now, Rita began working for Dixon, which is in Illinois. It's a city in Illinois outside of Chicago. She began working for Dixon's finance department in 1970 while she was still in high school. And she was appointed as the comptroller slash treasurer in 1983. Now, she handled all the finances for the city of Dixon because the city did not have a city manager. Now, let's take a little stroll to December 18th, 1990. So, she's been comptroller for seven years at this point. She opened a secret bank account, which she alone controlled, in the name of the city of Dixon. The name of the account was the RSCDA Reserve Fund. The initial stood for Reserve Sewer Capital Development Account with the city of Dixon as the primary account holder and RSCDA care of Rita Crudwell as the second account holder. But there was no such account that existed for the city. And with Dixon's failure to segregate its duties, this allowed Rita to set up and operate a fairly simple fraud scheme. That sounds pretty interesting already, like to start a bank account <laughs> with the city's name on it. Yeah, now from what I researched, that was like how, how they did it. Like the city had different accounts for different things. So, with nobody checking on what she was doing, I guess after seven years, she was like, I wonder if I can finagle some money out of this situation. Which is why you should always have checks and balances. So, I'm about to go on a tangent here. <laughs> this is why, even in my younger years, when I was a wee lass, I never trusted Santa Claus. Because how does he get to make the list and then he checks it twice? There's nobody else going over this list. It should be like, he's making a list and his wife is double checking it for accuracy and maybe a couple L's too, to find out if you're naughty or nice. Like, yeah, that, that's, a, that's an ethical, like ethical red X right there. Right, definite red flag. Like one person should not be doing all the work when it comes to making these type of decisions. So anyway, I'm on to you, Santa. To conceal what she was doing, she would pick up the city's mail, including all the bank statements for the RSCDA account, to prevent other employees from learning about this account. 
when she was away, she would get a relative or another city employee to pick up the mail and separate any of her mail, which since she was listed as the treasurer, the RSCDA would come to her as her mail. So they would separate all her mail, including the RSCDA account mail, from the rest of the city's mail. Now, Rita began transferring money from city accounts to RSCDA account in January of 91. So she set up the account in December of 90, mm -hmm. and pretty quickly she was funneling money. <laughs> Subsequently, she used her position as comptroller to transfer funds from Dixon's money market account and various other city accounts to its capital development fund account. She then repeatedly transferred city funds from the capital development account into the RSCDA account and used the money to pay for her personal and private business expenses, including horse farming operations, personal credit card payments, real estate and vehicles so she was creating fictitious invoices purported to be from the state of illinois to show the city's auditors that the funds she was fraudulently depositing into the rscda account were being used for legitimate purposes and the amount of invoices she generated was somewhere between 159 to 179 depending on what source you read now, guess how much money she stole? Like, I haven't said how long she was doing this, mm -hmm. but guess, give us a ballpark on how much you think she stole over the entirety of the embezzlement. Over the entirety? Right, now keep in mind, this is a, a little city in Illinois, outside of Chicago. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. Not a big, like, you know, not Chicago, not, Chicago. not a New York, no, yeah. no huge city. Okay. All right, I would say, like, I'll say... A hundred and twenty-eight thousand. Final answer. Final answer. You poor sweet boy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> over the entirety of the embezzlement, she stole more than fifty-three million dollars from the city. Oh my goodness! <laughs> using the proceeds to finance her quarter horse farming business and a life of luxury. It's believed to believe to be the largest theft of public fund. In state history. That is insane. In the whole state of Illinois. Yes. That is insane. Probably in the United States, like for yeah. public funds, like stealing from a city. Yeah. Oh my goodness. $53 million. So, now, here's where she loses, like, cool points. While she was taking in these large sums of money, she participated in budget meetings with the city council members and various city department heads, and she repeatedly said that the city's lack of funds was due to a downturn in the economy and because the state of Illinois was behind in its payments. Yeah, it's behind because you're stealing all the money, Rita. <laughs> so. She's in the background holding her mouth like, oh dear, this isn't terrible. This is so terrible. Pretty much like the economy is in shambles. We have no money. But hey, look at my prize winning quarter horses over here. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so, over the course of the fraud, the amounts of money she embezzled gradually increased. The first year, 1991, 
transferred around 181,000 to the RSCDA account. Now, that built up and built up until she really went all out in 2008 when she stole the highest amount, which was 5.8 million in one year. Oh my goodness. So this would be an average of more than 2.5 million over the 20 year period. It took her 20 years to do it. Mm. But 2.5 a year over the 20 year period. And on top of that, she was making an $80,000 annual salary. So it's not like she was getting paid chump change. Right. Oh my gosh. So, what was that fee? What was she doing with the money? I'll tell you. Reno, she was, she had built trust with the community by building her large quarter horse breeding operation that employed many of the residents. And it was called RC Quarter Horses. Very, you know, simple, mm. simple. You know, no need to be outlandish at this point, I guess. Now, this turned out to be one of the best known quarter horse breeding operations in the country. Her horses won 52 world championships. And the AQHA, which was the American Quarter Horse Association, named her Breeder of the Year eight consecutive years in a row before her arrest in 2012. <laughs> That's crazy. Oh, my goodness. So she was really, really into horse breeding, and she was taking all the money she needed to do it properly because she was winning awards and her horses were winning. Yeah. yeah at least she wasn't I'm, breeding losers. I'm, uh, I'm looking it up right now. There are some beautiful horses on their um, Webley website. I'm not sure if this is exactly No, theirs. that is... I think one in California called oh. RC Quarter Horses. Okay, okay. Unfortunate for them, like, <laughs> or maybe fortunate because maybe you know people looking for that one, looking for look for Rita's, look for Rita's, find them, and they're like, oh, man. But yeah, I looked, I saw that website. It has like a little family on it with some. Yeah. yeah. They're they're in California. Okay, okay. Okay, so now most of the residents of Dixon just assume she either inherited her wealth. Or that the horse breeding business was just so profitable in its own right that she like was making that kind of money. At the time of her arrest, she owned 400 horses. Now, they were housed between her ranch, which was on Red Brick Road in Dixon, the Mary J. Ranch in Beloit, Wisconsin, as well as with various trainers across the country. Now, in addition to the horses, and all of their equipment that she had bought with Dixon's money. She also had two residences and a horse farm in Dixon, a home in Inglewood, Florida, 80 acres of vacant land in Lee County, a 2009 luxury motorhome, which was like millions of dollars or hundreds of thousands more than four dozen trucks, trailers, and other motorized farm vehicles, a 05 Firebird, no, excuse me, 05 Ford Thunderbird convertible, a 67 Chevy Corvette Roadster, a pontoon boat, jewelry, and approximately 224,898 in cash from two bank accounts. 
Now, the government seized all her property and her, her horses. So, I'm going to, again, ask you to give your estimate on how much the government spent taking care of the horses before they were able to auction them off. Oh, man. 419 horses? Um, it just says 400. Just 400. Uh, 400. That's what it says, yeah. Okay. 400 horses. Mm. Oh, my gosh. I would say... <clears throat> per month. Per month. I'm going to make it easy. How much do you think they were spending per month? Okay, per month, I would say, I would say probably like, like 10000 15000 per month. 15000 per month, final answer? Yes. You poor sweet boy. <laughs> Do you live in 1955? <laughs> like, <laughs> 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 okay, obviously B doesn't know how much it costs to, <laughs> to take care of a quarter horse. Absolutely not. Because the government spent approximately 200000 per month. Oh my gosh. Caring for the horses before they were sold at auction. That's crazy. That's crazy. Now, you can imagine the kind of money Rita was spending to take care of them because I'm pretty sure she loved the horses. Yeah. As opposed to the government who was just forced to take care of them because they took them to, yeah. to get the assets. Yeah, that's 5000 a month per horse. That's, that's crazy. Wow. You know the government is so mad at her. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. we're trying to recoup money. We're spending 200000 a month for <laughs> these raggedy horses. You're right. Oh, my but God. horses are sweet and majestic. I like horses, so. Horses are beautiful. They are. They're kind of scary, though. Like, I was on a farm, and they had, like, kind of wild horses because nobody was living on the farm for some years. Mm -hmm. So the horses were just out doing their thing. But they were, like, semi wild so they would like come up to you mm. let you put a saddle on them let you brush them let you do all kind of things to them but they were like running really fast and, like, yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> they had a little mind of their own they were they were out doing their own thing they didn't want to be uh you know they wanted to be free yeah they want to be held down no but if you had like apples and stuff they would come and eat out your hand they were sweet but they liked their freedom yeah yeah <laughs> all right Huh? How did it unravel? How did it unravel? Let me tell you. Here's how it finally unraveled. Kathy Swanson, the hero of this story, <laughs> she was a city clerk that reported to Rita. Mm -hmm. So, while Rita was out at a horse show, she was on like an extended vacation. Now, one of the research pages that I looked at said that she got four weeks of paid vacation per year, but with all the money she was stealing, she usually took an additional 12 weeks of unpaid vacation, like to do the horse shows and go to breedings and competitions and things like that. So she basically only worked half a year. Oh my gosh, Rita. I mean, I, I'm very surprised that it took them 20 years to put this together. Yeah. <laughs> but thanks to Kathy, who is the embodiment of if you see something, say something, was working diligently while Rita was out gallivanting with her horses. And she realized she needed to do her treasurer's report. So she requested information from the bank. They faxed it, and she saw this secret account with money coming in and money going out. 
she didn't recognize the name of the account, didn't know why the bank had sent it to her. So what did she do? She reported to the mayor, Mayor James Burke, who in turn called the FBI. <laughs> like, uh, Kathy and Mayor Burke were not playing around. No. <laughs> <laughs> so for six months, the FBI, Kathy, and Mayor Burke quietly watched Rita take at least $2.3 from the city. Six months. $2.3 million. She had a racket going on. <laughs> she, She's relentless. Really. Gosh. Like, zero cooling off, period. As soon as she came back from vacation, she was like, all right, let me get some more money in this. <laughs> <laughs> so... They watched her for six months before finally arresting her in April of 2012. And think, like, Kathy had to come into work. This is her boss who she reports to. Mm -hmm. You know, she probably came in like, oh, good morning, Kathy. Yeah. Good morning, Rita. You dirty bitch. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Knowing what she's doing and Rita's acting right. like, you know, la di da di da. Right. Like, how, how's the horses? Yeah. Asshole. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah. Now, Dixon's operating budget was only about $10 million a year. And from the time she started to steal, the city had about a $10 million in a fund balance. So they were like $10 million in the black as, as far as their balance. Mm -hmm. And this is coming from Paula Mayer, who is Dixon's current finance director. By the time she was arrested, they were $22 million in debt. Oh my gosh. Jeez. So, to wrap this up, the former comptroller of the city of Dixon, Rita A. Krebwell, was sentenced in November 2012 to 19 years and 7 months, which is like basically the maximum. The maximum was 20 years. In federal prison for stealing 53.7 million from the city over two decades. Rita, Rita, Rita had way more money than they were even in debt for. Right, and it doesn't seem like, like, Rita had been married and she got divorced before she started all of this. She got divorced, like, in the uh, late 80s. Mm -hmm. It didn't say she had any children. So she was basically using all the city's money to buy these expensive horses because she wanted to be a horse breeder. Man, and you and like going to competitions. They made a movie about this called like All the Queen's Horses, mm -hmm. which you know goes into it. There's been books written about this. Like, there were pictures of like all her trophies that were being auctioned off by the government, and it was just like a warehouse with like trophies all over the floor. Because, wow. I mean, she was buying and breeding very good horse stock. That's crazy. They, like, I mean, they were selling horse semen, actual horses, her trophies, her equipment, like anything they could get their hands on to try to, like, get the money back for Dixon. Yeah. And she, her dream was to become a horse breeder, and she did by any means necessary to become a horse breeder. Yeah, I hope it was worth it, because when she got arrested she was in her like 
early to mid 60s. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty much a life sentence, 19 and a half years, or 19 years and seven months, yeah. Yeah. Wow, man. So what's uh, real funny is that I almost picked that case. Really? Yeah, because I saw that. I saw um, when I was looking up, while well, I was going through like different um, investment cases, that was one of the ones popped up because of how like massive it was. And um, I almost picked that one. But I changed, I changed course like drastically. Okay. And went way back in time to the United Kingdom. And so key right now we're going to be talking about Jabiz Balfour. Who, What's the name again? Jabiz. Wow. He is an Englishman. Um, Jabiz was born back in September 4th of the year 1843. Okay. Yeah. We're well, not going too, too far back. No, 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 not, not super far back. But, but still enough to make an impact because um, when, you, when you hear this tale, you'll, you'll be pretty amazed. So, um, so start from the beginning. Jabiz was the son of James and Clara Balfour. Uh, James Balfour was a House of Commons messenger. So he was like, he was like, you know, he's had a pretty, pretty good job as a messenger. Like, you know, it's pretty normal kind of like thing back in the 1800s. But his mother was a philanthropic, uh, temperance campaigner, lecturer, and author. So his mother had like many accolades. Oh, kind of like your mom. Yeah, yeah, kind of like my mom. Um, shout out to Tracy Fan, Freedom Fighters of State, South Carolina, doing a lot of work in the community, and and outskirts of the community too. She will come to you. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Jabiz's name is actually from from the Old Testament, and Jabiz translates to "He makes sorrowful." Wow, kind of uh, ironic. Yeah, like that's kind of like you know, like a um, like you know. A uh, foreshadow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So, all right. So, from all of that, Javis is born. Uh, he grows up and also goes to a life of politics. So, instead of being a messenger for the House of Commons, he becomes a, Jesse, a Justice Party member, a member of Parliament, and also he was involved in 14 other uh, directorships, which mm. is which is just crazy, like 14, that's a lot to keep up with. But, uh, but he was elected as mayor of Crowdon for, um, for a year back in 1883. So he was, uh, he was in his 40s when that happened. And, but during this, he was also a liberal member of parliament for Tamsworth between 1880 and 1885. And then after a year, after, after a break from the House of Commons, he then stood for and took a seat at Burnley as its member 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 of parliament from 1889 to 19, 1893. Keep people want to say 19 because like you know it just makes more sense to say 19 instead of 18. So Balfour was a member of the Congregationalist Church and had many contacts around the nonconformist community in Britain. But beneath his all his responsibility, he was a fraudster. And and since he and since he had so much control in his fourteen direct uh, directorships, he created this thing called the Liberator Building Society. And so he built this place. Well, well, he had this place built, and he had investors invest in it. And so, like, it was it was gigantic. It, it blew up real big. He had about one point seven million of Britain's nonconformists, like 
involved in it like as wow. an either investor just participants just all the people 1.7 million people back in 18 1890 that's like half the world <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly it was crazy and then in um 1892 so about two years after but so about two years after he um built uh, uh, about two years after he built the liberator he um he didn't he didn't start scandals around around kind of like the outskirts of london and its bank general bank and then within the building society itself and through all of this he used the money i wouldn't say how much he, i wouldn't say how much he did yet but he used his money to um to, to give the to lend to home buyers to get properties for buying land and buildings so just like around the uk he had just property and buildings like all over the place hmm. well i mean yeah. it seems like he was trying to build up the city mm -hmm. or that's what impression he was giving off that was the impression he was giving off for sure yeah and so and so and, and so and so and so through all of this um there was a there was an inspector named Frank Forrest, who was kind of like suspicious of like how Balfour was getting the funds to buy property and buildings because, because like, you know, the one deliberator building society is one thing, mm -hmm. but to go and get like numerous properties around and buildings around, it's like, okay, like where, where's this gentleman getting all of his, all of his funding from? Cause the investors are, are investing in the one building. They're not investing for him to buy other places like privately. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. So um. So 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 Frank Fry started investigating it, and Balfour, and this happened in uh, 1895. So another two years after this, and well, not three years after this, and Balfour got like word of it. So Balfour left the country, but guess where he went? So he's so we're in the United Kingdom in the 1890s. Right. So guess where he went? Anywhere in the world? Just guess anywhere. Um. I want to say probably somewhere super close to the UK, like when you should have been like maybe Australia. He went to like Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> Valpour went to Argentina. Oh, smart. He went to South America, Argentina. <laughs> Very different climate too. Very different, yeah. And so, and so, and so, um, and so after Froes, Froes was like onto him. Um, Froes, um had to do more investigating to figure out where he went. And then he saw one of his properties were in Argentina because like all the other properties, like he was thinking like, you know, they're probably too obvious to go to. Right. So he went to Argentina because like he got word that there was like, you know, there was a, a private private boat lead, leaving, leaving the country to go south. And so from that he was like, okay, going south and he has a property in Argentina. So he has to be going to Argentina. So Feroes left Southampton um you united kingdom which is like which is like kind of like it's kind of like if you look at the united kingdom it's like south but on the east side okay so going from there I had to go all the way like almost five thousand miles i think to argentina and so when he got to buenos aires for us caught him but then <laughs> but then after you know the extradition of communication like waiting days and days to get responses they were held up by they were held up by legal work. And so, and so Forrest was like, you know what? No, 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 no. So it said that he took reckless action and simply bundled Balfour into a train and then on a boat and then back to the United Kingdom. So he was like, 
through the system. Yeah, yeah. I'm kidnapping you and bringing you back. Yeah, because like, cause like, cause like, um, Frank was like, he was onto him like early on, and he did all this work to travel half the world to go get Balfour, and next thing you know. Uh, the English government's like, well, we have to do this paperwork, you know, there are certain systems we have to go through for this sort of thing. If he was stealing money from us, Frank was like, no, 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 no. He's, we're coming back to the country, and I'm talking to you. Like, we're going to do this trial face to face. And so, because like, he was so, not having it. Frank was like, fuck this red tape. Get on this boat. <laughs> You're getting your comeuppance. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> So you will pay for what you've done. I'm not waiting around for these mugs to get on their stuff. He's like the Walker, the Walker Texas Ranger of the UK. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Vigilante okay. justice. Yeah, I wonder if he was like, you know, like uh, created as like uh, an Englishman with a cowboy hat and a revolver in his hip and stuff. Because it's like, something gets pretty hardcore. Really? So, so, so for the trial... So so when so when they got so when they got back to the United Kingdom, when we got back to the United Kingdom, they faced trial at the old Bailey. So wait 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 wait. So he kidnapped this man from Argentina, <laughs> brought him back, and the English government was like, meh, okay. Like, <laughs> they weren't like, hey, no, we we had paperwork we had to do. This is not legal. They were like, mm, okay, you got him here. Let's put him on trial. You know you know like, like I have a feeling that like that. That Mr. Froess was like a loose cannon on the inspector team. <laughs> like, you know, like he just, like, like all these cases, like he's been great on his cases, but he's always like, you know, been outlandish and like his, his um, commissioner has been like, you can't do this Frank, not this time. He's like, I do it You're my way. You're a loose cannon, Frank. <laughs> exactly. He's like, I'll do this my way if you want it taken care of. And then like, you know, he just goes and get it done. Damn it, Frank. <laughs> exactly. You can't keep doing this. <laughs> exactly. But like Frank's just like, you know, like. I'm getting the job done. I'm getting results in. What you gonna do? Fire me? You know, I'm sure he got fired eventually, but for doing this kind of stuff. But at this time, they let it slide and they put Belfort under trial. <laughs> well, kudos, so, Frank. Yeah, Frank got the job done for sure. So, in pounds, in the year 18, well, let me see. It was from, it was from 1889 to 1895. So a six year span in British pounds, how much do you think he how much do you think he was indebted to pay back? Okay, so over six years mm -hmm. he was building multiple properties, was buying properties outside the country. So I'm going to say in the eighteen hundreds if he stole one million, that would be crazy. So if if it was so much that he immediately hopped on a boat and went to <laughs> South America, I'm gonna say twenty million. Twenty million? Yes. Okay, that's um, that's 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 a good guess, but it's lower. It's lower. It's seven million. I was okay. I was expecting you to aim low, but you aimed high. But kudos though. Well, since you gave me an amount, seven million pounds then. Mm-hmm. Wait. With all this inflation. Okay, wait, million has nine zeros? Uh, six. 
Sweet baby Jesus. Do you know how much that would be? What is what, what is the current inflation? Um, okay, I did it in 1895 because that was the last year. Mm -hmm. So, 7 million pounds in 1895 would be 926 million four thousand no 477,154 dollars and 10 cent in 2020. Mr. Valpour was the richest person like in the world basically after doing this kind of stunt. I believe. But, you know, he didn't he didn't he didn't have all his money at once. That was just the amount that he was indebted to because that's what he so that's the equivalent of what he stole and how much he cost the government leading up to this. So he didn't actually steal seven million pounds. He was just, he, that's just how much he owed because of that. But still, that's like almost a billion dollars today. Almost a billion dollars, yeah. That's a massive, massive case. So with that amount in mind, how much do you think he was sitting, like how long do you think he was sentenced to? Um, seven million in 1895. Was he sentenced to death? Did they hang him? <laughs> well, no, then they wouldn't have got their money back. Um, okay. From all the crime things that I listen to, the UK is kind of lenient. So usually it's like 25... No, usually it's like life with the possibility of parole in 25 years. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm going to go with. Okay. That is very, that would be very cruel because they gave him 14 years. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> they gave him 14 years. So he was released in 1906. Uh, he was released in the year 1906, so he got out early. He only served 11 years. <laughs> well, kudos. And then, and then after that, he became a mining consultant. So, so he... He was off the political boards, like all the 14 directorships, you know, because of course he's a traitor. He can't be trusted now, but he somehow found a job as a mining consultant in Wales. So, so he still was in the area and he was able to get work again. And he died 10 years after, 10 years after that. So in 1916, he died. But at that point though, he was in the 70s. So yeah. he just kind of died in natural causes. Well, that was really interesting. I mean, to steal that kind of money in that time, like 1800s, mm -hmm. that was pretty badass. Like, I wonder, like, how he was doing it. Like, I, I honestly don't know because, like, you know, like how things are today. Like, you know, we have electronic wiring and stuff like that. Like right. those kind of methods. But back then, I don't know what I don't know what he could have been doing. That was like. Well, depending on, well, they factored in what he cost the government too, so almost like a million a year. Yeah, yeah. Here, here's what's crazy. He also had a wife, a son, and grandchildren. So he had his, uh, his son was born, wait a second, yeah, his, his son was born in 1868. Mm -hmm. So he's had his grandchildren, so he's had his grandchildren by now because like this was like 28 years after that. So he had a uh, wife, son, and grand grandchildren. But he's just like, like, peace with Argentina by himself. <laughs> <laughs> so he was doing some shady stuff and just like left his family behind. <laughs> well, I mean, really, would you want to be dragged 
across the world to a place where you don't speak the language because your father did some stupid shit? No, no, I wouldn't. I would not. No, I mean, he could have took his wife. It's not like he had babies. Like, yeah, yeah exactly. Old kids, he left his wife. <laughs> Maybe he heard that the the ladies in Argentina were pretty. So <laughs> possibly, yeah. Go there like, as a new life. Here I come. Yeah, go there as a thousandaire. A single thousandaire. <laughs> but yeah, that was Debbie's Balfour. Was a very, very, very interesting man. So, did it say how long he was in Argentina before Frank caught up with him? Because I feel like Frank was like hot on his trail the whole time. Mm -hmm. Like, Frank had a ski-doo, a sea-doo, like, out, <laughs> out in the water. Because he wasn't fucking around. <laughs> so, so, right, so over here, over here it says, like, in 1892, he was at the center of a scandal over the failure of a series of companies which he had set up and controlled. And so, like, in 1892 is when he started, like, failing at, like, you know, his scheme. And somewhere between then and then 1895 is when uh, Frank caught him. So, so I don't... he wasn't there long. Like, that's only uh -huh. three years at the most. Yeah, yeah. Three years at the most if, like, he left, like, immediately. But, but I have no idea, though. But somehow... And what's which, which, which crazy to me is like how Frank even got him. Argentina's a huge country. That is, uh, that's a giant place. That's a giant place. How, well, like, well, I guess, I guess if they know the location of the property that he purchased, then yeah. I guess I'll narrow it down. It probably wasn't hard to spot. You know, he probably wasn't difficult to pick out of a crowd. Yeah, yeah, he'll be the only like fair-skinned one around yeah. in the crowd. And Frank was probably paying bounty hunters and doing things under the table because he is a loose cannon. <laughs> Dude. Who knows how he accessed all this information? Yeah, yeah, cause <laughs> probably just went, probably just went like, like, like to like the, like the, the property like tax place in the UK. Just like slammed his hand down. Was like, do you know who I am? I need these papers immediately. And first at desk was probably like nervous, seeing like you know you need to take a number and have a seat. It's like I need these now, like you know punching walls and stuff. There's no telling what like Frank a, was doing. A lady in a little swivel chair. He just pushed her chair out of the way. <laughs> like I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we want we want to see how Frank looks now. See if Frank's as crazy as we make him out to be. Frank was about truth and justice and the United Kingdom way. <laughs> He was a British detective and crime writer. Oh. Oh my gosh, he's he's bald with a handlebar mustache. He doesn't look intimidating at all. But this man, he was able to get the job done. Kudos to you, Frank. His books have cool artwork too. Hmm. Oh man. Okay, so in in closing, what do you what do you have to say if politicians happen to listen to our podcast and are thinking about you know, take a little bit more under their table. Because my, 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 uh, embezzler got 14 years in prison. Your embezzler got 19 years in prison. Right. Those aren't really long times, but it is, it is like, you know, a quarter of your life, you know, 20 years. You're missing, missing out on time, missing out time with your family. If you have a family, been time out with your horses, if you have 400 horses. Yeah. No longer winning championships. 
Yeah, that's the most heartbreaking thing, you know, to know your horses are just like chilling, getting fed every day, not working, not, you know, being active. I bet you if you had dogs and you had someone dog sit them and your dogs are just like in the house, go out to pee, back in the house. Like, you'd be pretty sad. Yeah, like, because, you know, they, they weren't being taken care of. Like, she she knew every horse's name, mm -hmm. knew their favorite little treats, mm -hmm. walked up and petted all of them, like, brushed them all down. It was their pride and joy, but they got, got acquired by the government. And were probably so. just put into horrible little stalls and costing the government money and getting dirty looks. <laughs> you know, I wonder if in like in the 19th century, if that's how like repossession was. It's like, we're gonna take your horse. Again, <laughs> 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 you know, yeah, repo your cars, repo your horse. Oh man, that would be terrible. That would be terrible. <laughs> but what I would say to these politicians in the words of the immortal DMX, you've been eating long enough now, stop being greedy. Let's keep it real, partner. Give to the needy. Oh man, that's deep right there. That's deep. <laughs> DMX speaks true. He does. Once again. <laughs> man, that's some interesting stories there. That's true comment as finest right there when you know they're working in the shadows behind the scenes. Like, you know, it's never a victimless crime when you're stealing from an entire civilization of people. Right, because like, these city workers and like streets weren't getting paved in Dixon. The city workers weren't being paid. They weren't getting raises anymore. Mm -hmm. Like it, it's another one of those crimes that just really has a, a ripple effect. Like how many people are actually, you know, hurt by what you're doing. You know, you think yeah. you're just stealing money. But, I mean, even in your case, I'm pretty sure that there were things that were not being done because he was using the money to build these buildings that he wanted. Yeah, like, yeah, like these investors, like, you know, in the in the United Kingdom, some of them could have been born into wealth, but then the other ones could have been really hardworking people. It's like, right. yeah, like, I, I believe this guy. I'm a nonconformist and I believe what he's going for. I want to support this liberal building, you know, liberal society building. I want to be a part of this organization. Right. You know, I sell t I sell tonics to you know raise my sick son, but I'm gonna give this man a, a half of my wealth so that we can build this building. I want to invest in this. That money's gone now. Left him left me penniless. And his son was sick. Yeah, and and I'm all out of all the elixir bottles. I can't buy those anymore. In bulk from Sam's Club. Damn Belfort. Look at what you did. You killed that little boy. You killed the little boy. That's why Frank that's why Frank grabbed him by his neck and took him on the boat. I applaud you, Frank. Mm -hmm. It's a dirty job, but somebody has to do it. And yeah. you were getting it done. Getting it done. Oh man. So that concludes our episode for <laughs> us not talking us realizing that we shouldn't be talking about political sleaze, but here we are anyway. We have done it. This was episode four. Episode four, yeah. Wow, we are just rolling along with the momentum of a speed train. Yeah, and uh, we so super appreciate the people that are listening to our podcast right now. We're very fresh on board, 2020. This is this just begun. Yes, and let me give a shout out to our very first five star review Ooh. on Apple iTunes 
from your new best friend podcast. Thank you so much. I listen to your podcast. I enjoy it. It's like eavesdropping on a super funny conversation <laughs> with people who you want to be your friends for real. <laughs> yeah, well, with that review, I wouldn't be their best friend already, so they are my new best friend. And again, thanks to all the listeners. If you want to suggest any cases, feel free to send them to we shouldn't talk about this at gmail.com. You can hit us up at WSTAT underscore pod on Twitter and Instagram. And that's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is all. Yeah, yeah, be sure, be sure to tune in to our social media pages to see images of our our embezzlers because um while while you know they are terrible people, we should always remember their faces because you know they're they're normal, they're normal everyday people. They just happen to be in politics and happen to got greedy. Yeah, and please subscribe, rate, review. We are on all major podcaster sites and the minor ones as well. Mm -hmm. So please leave us some five star ratings if you feel so in your heart. Yeah, yeah. We definitely appreciate it and it helps us out more than you know. Thank you so much. I'm V. And I'm Keith. And thanks for listening to what we talk about.